I really hope that you enjoyed last week's segment with Frankie Shane Pierman. As I said before, this is a two-part series. Last week, we ran the first segment where Frankie Shane and I talked about uh, the way our paths have crossed over the years, weightlifting, uh, music, and uh, just some, some things like that. And this week, we, we kind of transition into uh, more, more focused on his faith and the way that guides his life. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to the first part of this, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to that first. And it'll give you some context about, about Frankie Shane and, and who he is and what his involvement in the community has been. Uh, and then come back and listen to this episode. And if you did listen to last week's episode, I'm glad you came back for this part of it. And I hope you have a good time listening to the rest of our conversation. kind of a theme through all of this and it's mm-hmm. your your willingness and desire and passion for mm-hmm. not just the things that you do but to share that knowledge and to help other people realize right. their potential and realize their dreams and if there's anybody that knows you really well knows two fundamental things about you uh, one is that you are a strong man of faith oh you absolutely have very strong faith and the other is that you never ever swear? Yeah, <laughs> he and it that, makes huh? you uncomfortable when people do. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's that's funny. Um, but, but I wanted to talk about your 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 faith because mm-hmm. you and I have had some good conversations right. about it, and really, uh, really, the kind of conversations I think we ought to be having more of in this country right. about and in our community. Um, um, absolutely, because I think. Uh, you know, we, we've just had these, what I've, what I've viewed as very eye-opening conversations mm-hmm. for me. And I, right. I think when you and I talk about this, there's no animus between no. us Yeah, because we respect each other and like each other. And exactly. we have this long history together right. of knowing each other and knowing that we're both, mm-hmm. no matter what differences we might have, and I'm right. sure there are some, um, we're pulling for ultimately the same thing. Right. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about how your faith has like informed some of these things that you've done and how it kind of guides you in your day-to-day yeah. life. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Thanks for bringing, giving me that opportunity because um, I'm as passionate about that even more so than all this other stuff. But it's so, uh, this is like we talked about before the show. I don't want to be that guy that just dumps someone's information on how wrong I see what they're doing or how they could yeah. do it differently. Uh, to someone unless they ask. Um, I've always been, oh, let's start off. When I was a kid growing up in Oklahoma, my parents, my grandparents were all, you know, uh, church going, you know, God fearing Christian people. Um, and church was just always what we did, you know. Yeah. Now, you come from the same era I did. That was kind of the thing, whether you lived it or not, church was just something you did. You did. Yeah. And, and to a lot of parents, church was, the the uh way you got to sleep in on sunday and get your kids watched because you just have the church bus pick them up 
Yeah. And it's like, okay, mommy and daddy's not going to go to church today, but you go and let us know what happens, you know, type of thing. <laughs> so it became, it was, it was the babysitter before iPads <laughs> because, um, so, but I grew up in that. And so, you know, I knew the Bible verses, I knew the stories and we talked about those again, before yeah. we started to kind of get warmed up, we were talking about some of this. And, um, but for me, it, I was like, you know, there's a reason that so many people all across the world, all across the U.S., all, community to community, city to city, state to state, there's a reason there's a commonality in what we're doing in this belief. We all, there's core beliefs that you believe, and then there's spinoffs of, of doctrine. Mm -hmm. you know, to, doc, to me, doctrine is it's like liking a different flavor of mayonnaise on your sandwich. You know, it, it's, it's like if the core of it's there, the meat is there, then what you flavor it with is your own opinion, you know, right. but you're, if you're following the same thing, as you said with you and I, we have this, this common thread of wanting to see people, see community, see things get better, not get worse. And so for me growing up as a young kid, learning all stuff and my grandpa all the time, my grandpa knew the Bible forwards and backwards, man. And, and he could quote it all day long, you know, and he just really good guy. So I had that influence already. My dad, I don't remember. I know before I was born, you know, he may have drank, smoked, whatever. But in the whole time I've known my dad, I've never seen him do any of that stuff. Um, same with my mom. You know, they've always been, it's, they've always just been people who look for the better in people and try to give people a chance and try to give them a running start, so to speak. So as I got older, um, you know, you, as we all do, you go through your teens and you think you got life figured out. You think that those four years of high school is what your entire life is summed up in, mm -hmm. you know, this make me or break me. These four years is all life is, which God, I wish kids could, could learn. Sometimes your parents are right. <laughs> you know, um, that's not what life is about. That's not where life begins and ends, even though it feels like that because you're in this, you've got hormones raging, you've got chemicals raging, you've got, you got things in you that are confusing about your life in general. And so everything is just magnified. And so in those four years, that's those peak years of that. You just think that this girlfriend's the only one. Yeah. You just think that this being the captain of, of the football team the only way I can get through school. I can't survive if I don't. You, know, you, you get these ideas that just, and social media really hasn't helped in that respect because then, then they feel like, oh, it's a worldwide thing because now I'm reaching other kids feel the same way. I, I am right. No, you're still not right. <laughs> but, anyway, <laughs> uh, but anyway, but when I got through all of that, and, and honestly, my parents had us in Christian schools in Oklahoma. So they were private schools. They weren't very small. I'm, I think one of the, the school I went to the majority of my time there the entire school, not just graduating class, the entire school had like 250 kids. Oh, that was it. Wow. Um, which I'm really thankful for that um, because of the attention that each class got. You know, everybody knew everybody. The teachers knew everybody by name and everything. So there was a lot of attention. Um, but anyway, let's fast forward past that. So I get into my teens, actually my late teens, when I lived here, uh, moved to Hutch. And uh, I just, I think I just saw a lot of people around me that, um, that claimed it, claimed that they grew up the same way I did and this, but I saw they had just horrible lives. And then I realized they weren't living it like I had always been taught it. They weren't even living it like they had been taught it. Um, it Christianity became a badge they could put on and take off. It mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't a day-to-day -day thing. 
And so I started wondering, well, why? What am I doing different that they're doing, or what? Are, what you know? I couldn't figure it out. And part of it was that I believe that that if you commit to something like that, that's one of those things in your life that you commit to, and you either do it all the way or you don't do it. Because you know, I know a lot of people, and and that's a little harsh. Because I mean, if you're if you're trying your best to be a good person, and you don't choose that particular route to do it, or if you choose that as part of your route to do it, then I'm still glad you're doing great things. But I just, I felt like that, that there was a responsibility in me that if that was truly my faith, that's truly how I felt, that my life should be an example of it. Mm-hmm. That I shouldn't speak out of one side of my mouth and act out of another side of the brain. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't say, oh man, you can't do this. And then in, in the meanwhile, I'm beating my wife. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I don't drink or smoke but I'll beat her if she says anything wrong. I mean, it doesn't track, you know, or I couldn't, uh, the cussing thing is funny you said because everywhere I've worked, that's always one of the first things people say, because especially when I was a welder, uh-huh. because welders are a rough, a rough bunch. They're a rough bunch. There was a lot of cussing in that oh, show. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There, there was a lot. And, uh, and they used to always, they used to joke around about trying to spike my drink when I wasn't looking just so they could hear me cuss. <laughs> like maybe if we get him drunk, he'll cuss, you know, because he doesn't drink. So if he doesn't drink a little shot, he'll do a lot, you know. And uh but it just they what's funny is the same people that joke around like that have the utmost respect for you, the fact that you can keep your calm, keep your cool and not do it. So I always took it as a grain of salt. Like, yeah, they're joking, whatever, you know. But um but I think I can count the the amount of cuss words I've said in my entire life. Between my fingers and toes, I don't, I don't think I'd use them all Yeah. for the amount of times I've cussed in my entire life. People think that's nuts. They're like, there's no way. And especially when they see me. I look, you know, if this were a video thing and you could see, I don't look like your typical Sunday school Christian, you know? And, and I'll post a picture with, yeah. when, I, when I put this out. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, yeah. You, you are a walking juxtaposition. Yeah, and people are just like, wait, what? You know, I've, I have people that think that I've been in prison part of my life you know they're like well when'd you get out out of what you know i got out of the gym just a little bit you know i don't know what you're talking about um but yeah i mean i and that's just where that's where i'm comfortable in my skin and it can change on a whim too you know but but um but yeah for me it just i felt like growing up that i had invested enough into it and had lived that way long enough and enjoyed the benefits of trying to be a better person more than I enjoy the benefits of feeling like I got away with something. And so what I think when I listen to you talk about it, one of the things I, I think I hear you talking about is that in your world, being a Christian is not an advertisement. It's, no. not, it's not something to even be uh, walked about. Like right. it's, not, it's, not, it's part of your identity, mm-hmm. but that identity comes from the way you internalize that and the way you right. engage life through your Christianity, right. not by walking around saying, Hey, I'm a Christian, right. you know, that kind of right. thing. It's, yeah. it, and I see that, and we talked a little bit before, and I, I want to kind of recapture that conversation mm-hmm. about letting the, the ideas of love guide your efforts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Bible, it, Christianity always talks about love. Okay. I mean, that's a, that is a, a staple in the religion, but they don't practice it. And I think that what happens is that people will judge a person by their sin and just want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're like, you're done. You know, um, it's not a real popular opinion with a lot of Christians about the whole LGBTQ thing. Um, 
or marriage, gay marriage, or whatever, whatever it is, there seems to be <laughs> this, this podcast may get a lot of hits. No? <laughs> uh, there's a, um, but my, my personal view is, is that when you look at the Bible and you read the Bible, Christ often condemned the sin, but not the sinner. You know, when they brought the woman before him that was caught, not just, they don't think, they caught her in the act of adultery. As an adult, you understand what that means. Yeah. Like there was flesh. There were things. She was caught in the act with another married man in adultery. And the leaders of the church said, stoner. You know, the Bible says, the word says a stoner. She committed this offense. The, the punishment is death. And what did he do? Did he say, oh man, she's, she is a harlot. She just needs, you know, this woman's done. No. What did he do? He looked past the sin and he saw the person. Yeah. And what did he tell him? He said, those of you that are without sin, go ahead, cast the first stone. Tell, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but, but that is one of my favorite stories out of the Bible oh, for yeah. that very reason. Right. And, and some of my reading of it, it, was, it wasn't like Jesus got in and stood up and put his hands in front and said, I'm going to like, prevent you from being stoned. Oh, no. It was, a, I am meeting this person where she is. Mm -hmm. I am getting right. down on the ground with her right. to demonstrate to her that I'm here, right. that I'm with you. Um, and that in some ways we are the same person we, that we are, yeah. we're the same yeah. in this concept. Exactly. Um, that to me was such a good example for us to follow. That oh, absolutely. That yeah. And, and that's, I think that people forget that, you know, um, they look at, they look past the whole issue of love and seeing people, like you said, where they're at, realizing people hurt, realize we've all been hurt. Nobody's parents were perfect. Nobody's upbringing was perfect. We all suffered things that have caused us and our perception of things to be the way it is. You know, um, you weren't, you always hear people say, oh, I wasn't hugged enough as a kid or whatever. Okay. There's some reality to that statement, but it's not as blanket as that. It's not that simple, but you know, when you're a kid and you're growing up and, and all you want to do is see your mom, you know, she's been at work. She comes home. Hey mommy, you don't realize she's had a horrible, stressful day. She comes in and says, not now. Yeah. Can you just hold on? Just leave me alone for a minute. You're giving me a headache. Okay. We think that's a pretty normal thing to do. Okay. It seems pretty normal. But when that kid, whether it be you, I, or whoever's kid, when they're in the moment emotionally trying to connect with their mother and their mother does that, in the kid's head, I'm giving mommy a headache. I'm the reason mm -hmm. she's got a headache. I'm the reason she had. Now it starts a whole series of things in that kid's mind that throughout time can progress to this thing where they have this esteem issue where they feel like they have to perform for people to make people happy, that it's their responsibility. That is wrong. You don't, you don't have to perform for anybody. It's not your responsibility how someone else feels. How they take and perceive your actions, that's on them. Whether your action was right or wrong, it's still on them how they perceive it or how they deal with it. But those little things like that can create things way down the road that we don't even we don't even cognitively cognitively think about, connect. Right. Um, so you know it's it's just funny how distant we've become from what the core of the scripture is. And you know we talked about this one of my favorite statements <laughs> when you talk about religion is that the biggest problem with Christianity is Christians. They are the biggest problem. And I'm one of them. 
So I, I'm not saying this like, oh, I'm judging you. I'm saying, come on, guys, let's get it together. You know, we're supposed to be here to love and support and be there for people. We're not here to point a finger and to be the self-righteous, like the world's going down a bad path because they've turned from Christ. So we're going to make sure they do that. No, you can't mandate change. You can inspire it, but you can't mandate it. You can legislate. We talked about this. You can put a piece of legislation that's there to help guide people in the right direction to get things on course, but you can't legislate the people. You have to inspire them. You have to be there. You know, that's one of the reasons I think with my Christianity, I've chosen not to be that soapbox guy. I don't want to be out there like, oh, well, that wouldn't happen if you had Jesus as your, your Lord and Savior. I, yeah. I don't pull that. And I'm not the type like, well, the Bible says not to cuss, so better not cuss. You know, that's not me. I'm the guy, I'm just like, my actions speak volumes above my words. When they can see it in action, mm-hmm. then when I connect the words to it, now those words have power. This is one of the things that, that when, when I look at you, this is one of the things I see. Like you, uh, you, you've never, you, you've just made decisions for you mm-hmm. based on your faith, on how you want to live your life and engage your world. Exactly. And you've done that. And as a result of that, I have never, in all the time I've known you, never seen you like really get onto anyone for the things they do. Like yeah. going back to like when we worked in the shop. Yeah. People are cussing, telling dirty jokes, yeah. whatever around there. And I never saw you. I mean, you would make it clear that it, I didn't want to engage. That you didn't yeah. want to engage, right. but you yeah. weren't critical Judgmental. of the people who yeah. were doing that. Likewise, I mean, I see you at the gym. There's nobody that you won't talk to. There's right. no so mm-hmm. any anybody from any background, uh, no matter what, you just and so when I look at that, so I see this is somebody who whose faith is his life. Right. And as a result of that, it's, and it is inspiring. It's inspiring right. to me. And I think it makes others want to kind of raise and elevate their, yeah, their performance the a little, little bit. bit too. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what it is. I mean, I, I've told people that, that if I could die and there was one thing that I was remembered for, it wouldn't be music, wouldn't be weightlifting, wouldn't be that, but it was that I was a good person that I made a change that I offered some sort of change to people that helped their life to be better. I, I want to be, you know, um, I heard someone say this a long time ago. And ever since then, I thought, well, that's me too. So I started putting it, you know, when you see these internet questionnaires mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, what do you, what is it that you want to do with your life? What is it? You know, and people say, oh, I want to be a millionaire or, oh, I want to be the first Native American to put a Native American flag on the moon, you know, or whatever. Uh, you know, they have all these great things. And, if, it, if I could put one sentence on there, it'd be to change the world. That'd be it. I would want to change the world for, and for the positive. Um, to know that I had, that I could leave that kind of legacy, that means more to me than you know, pushing 500 pounds or having the biggest arms or, or more than having a hit record or touring the world. It, to know that, that when people think of me, that's what, that's the image. Because, I mean, let's break it down. When you really think about people that you know, you can picture them in your mind, but you emotionally, when you think of someone you know, there's an emotional feeling you get when you think of that person. There's yes. like an emotional makeup that you get or like a feeling, a sense like, oh, well, this guy. And you don't automatically think of, oh, remember that time he tripped over on his foot and fell in the dog manure? You don't think yeah. of that. What you think of is like, he was a good man. He helped me out when I needed him. He did this. You get those kind of emotional connections with a person mentally as well as you do the mental picture of what they look like. 
over time, after someone passes away and stuff, over time you forget, you, you kind of start losing what they, the mental picture of their face. But you remember that, those instances, those memories, those, those emotional connections. And so I want, when people think me, that's what I want to inspire. I want people to inspire. That was a guy that really wanted to try and change things. He's someone that really wanted to do something with his life, you know, not just, not just exist and, and get the most likes on Instagram or not be the one guy that when he walks in the gym, everybody stops and stares. He wants to be that guy that, that people know that he's connected to something bigger, something greater. And I've often told people when it comes to music, that's one of my aspirations is that if someone sees my name connected to something, they know it's quality mm-hmm. because they know I wouldn't put my name or I wouldn't be involved in something that I couldn't make better or the best it could be at that moment. I mean, things can always be better. You know, you have good days, bad sure, days, but sure. you know, uh, I always want when they see Frankie Shane's name on something, oh, that's going to be good. Yeah. I, I know it is simply because he's involved in it. He wouldn't wouldn't waste his time and he w- he's going to inspire everyone in there to be to be their best that's what i want to that's what i try and be you know and like you said for me it's it's very and it's taxing because i fail and you know a lot but a lot of times my failures are ones that most people wouldn't even see it's just it's things i deal with in my head things i'm like that was the wrong thought you didn't you didn't voice it but you shouldn't be critical you shouldn't have said that and that's that's me it's every day so for me, like you said, my, my faith is something that above all is 24-7. And it's always in the back of my head, what, what could I have done better? How can I help this person? Or how can this situation that's not a good situation be the least hurtful to the other people involved? Even if I got to take the hit, even if I got to be the pillow in this situation, how can, how can this you know, outcome be the best? Now, sometimes you're in situations where there's just even being the nicest person in the world, someone's going to walk away hurt. Someone's going to walk up and say, sure. and, and you know, you deal with that too. That's unavoidable. In yeah, it's unavoidable. Sometimes. But you know, I want to be a good influence on my kids. I want to be a good influence on my grandkids. I want to be a good influence on those around me. Um, and I feel like in, in a lot of ways that, that I've done a pretty good job of that. Um, and, and it's not, it's a side product of just me trying to be the best me. I'm not intentionally like, well, I got to do this just right because I've got to leave. No, it's just like, okay, I just need to be as real as I can. I just need to keep everything top of mind and do this as best I can to the best of my ability today. Today's best may not be as good as yesterday's. It may be better than tomorrow's, but I got to try and be the best me that I can be in the moment. And uh, that, I think that everything we've talked about that's a central guiding force in all of that. It's like, okay. And it's a lot of prayer too. There's a lot of times I'm like, Lord, do I, is this something I do? Is this something I don't do? You know, I, I go where I feel like you're wanting me to go, you know? And I'm not one of those guys that gets all like, well, Jesus told me you shouldn't have done that. You know, I'm not that guy, but it's that still small voice and it, it blows my mind. There's many times at our church, I'm, I'm now involved in one of the worship bands, which a lot of people can't believe as much as I am in music, I have not been a part of the worship. I haven't wanted to be because I felt like that wasn't my place. But now they've got me in charge of one. But there's times when the pastor's like, hey, we need uh, your, your team to play this Sunday. What do you guys want to play? And I just like, what's the sermon about? And he's like, well, it's about this. I'm like, I don't know how what we're playing matches that specifically. Let me pray about it. And I'll pray about it. And, I, and that's it. I'm just like, okay. And then for some reason, 
the usually it's four songs. You do two usually in the what we call the pre-live service. Then we do our live service still on okay. Facebook, and then you do two on live. And I just pray about it. And so I'm like, okay, four songs. And I go through our roster of a dozen songs or more, and I'm like, I keep hearing these two songs playing, and then these other two songs keep coming on my. But I just don't know, you know. I'll call the pastor up and say, these are the ones I was thinking. He's like, okay, fine. Then we get there, we play those songs and have service. And at the end of service, I have half a dozen people come up to me. Those were perfect. You don't understand those, the words in that song was exactly what I need to hear. I'm like, okay. You know, I don't think God is some burning bush or some booming voice, Frankie, play this song. <laughs> but it's like, there's that influence because I'm open to it. Because I'm like, I'm like, okay, Lord, I got no clue here. Here's my list of songs. You guide me where to go. I don't, you know, and it always ends up working out. And sometimes it's the least favorite song of mine. I'm like, eh, I don't really like this song, but I just feel like this is where this needs to be here, you know. Um, so it, it's not, it's about, it's about putting myself out of the way is really what it's about. And that's hard to do. It's hard to do for a lot of people. It's hard to do for me because you, you justify so many times why you need to be at the center of things and us being a center of things never works out good <laughs> well and it's a, you mentioned earlier it's the, it's the quietness and it's a yeah. small still voice mm -hmm. and i think when we do we naturally have this tendency to look at things from what we want to do right. and it's hard no, no matter how you come from this to get to this point but it, it's hard to quiet your mind mm -hmm. set yourself aside long enough because yes, things are, you know, people say things that hurt us. People mm -hmm. see, say things we feel attacked. Um, there's a lot in the world right now that's right. confusing and scary. Oh, and man. people get angry and upset about that. But under that is probably, in my view, fear. Oh, yeah. And worry. Mm -hmm. um, and all of that creates so, so much chaos and confusion in a person's mind. It's sometimes hard to just say, I'm going to stop. I'm going to quiet all that. Right. And I'm going to let the... I'm going to let the small, quiet voice tell, talk to me. Guide I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm going to think about this in a different way and see where that takes me. Right. Yeah. I, I think one of the examples that uh, one of my pastors gave that, that always stuck with me. I always, I always go back to this. Uh, when he was younger, he was working a job. I think he was roofing. He gave this example in church. And if, if all the aspects of it aren't perfect, the principle remains the same. So it'll still make sense. But he'd been working all day out in the heat. Was, payday was two days away. He was at work, so he couldn't go home. He didn't have a long, long enough lunch break. Was down to his last couple bucks. And so he slipped by McDonald's, bought him a cheeseburger and a water. Couldn't even afford the Coke. Bought him a cheeseburger. And as he's paying for the cheeseburger, this little kid that had been hanging outside stepped in, grabbed his cheeseburger, and took off. And he was so, he was like, this kid needs a whooping. <laughs> you know, that's, that's old school for you. Those of you who don't know, it's a spanking. Uh, but this kid needs a whooping. And he ran, and this little girl was hauling. She went down the, I'm assuming it was 4th Street, because he said she ran down the alley, which is right next to it. And he said, and she comes to the end, and he's just catching up to her. He goes around the corner, and as he comes around the corner, her brother's sitting there, and he hand, she hands him the hamburger, and they split it. And I can't believe I feel emotional telling this. Um, so he said, he looked at him, and he's like, What's going on? You know, what, what are you doing? And she's like, well, our daddy lost his job, and our mom is in the hospital, and we haven't eaten in a couple of days, and 
dad's out trying to find work. These kids hadn't eaten. Now, the funny thing is it didn't change the fact this little girl just stole someone else's sandwich. Didn't change the fact that she took off run. Didn't change the fact he was dog tired in the heat and frustrated. But what did change was his perception. Yeah. All of a sudden he was like, let me call some buddies, see if I can get some more money, get you guys something to eat, and I'll take it to your house. Everything changed, but the circumstance was exactly the same. But how did he view it? He chose to view it at that point. He, he had understanding, and now he's, his perception completely flipped. And it went from being frustrated and wanting to give this, bend this kid over his knee and spank the bottom to all of a sudden like trying to buy groceries for their family when his own family was okay, but you know he had a couple more days till payday. And ever since I heard that, it, I was like, man, why don't we look at people like that? Why do we always assume that because they affect our life in a way that's uncomfortable, that we have the right to know that their intentions were bad? Mm-hmm. Or why do we feel like we have that insight? We don't. We have no idea what's on the other side of that person's eyes, what's in that brain. That's the biggest battle between these two ears, six inches of their brains. The biggest battle you ever fight in your life is between your ears. We don't know what that battle is for them. But yet we automatically, because we are put out, we feel that we're justified to belittle them. And we feel justified to make them feel less because they inconvenienced us. And that was one of the biggest lessons, I think, that that one example, he told that. He's not even the pastor anymore. This was years ago. And that always stuck with me because I'm like, man, that's pretty crazy. It's like, yeah, the little girl still stole from you. You know, the little girl still, you know, didn't make what she was doing right or wrong, but all of a sudden your perception of, of her actions made sense. Just like when someone barks at you at work, you don't know that they're, they got in a fight with their significant other right before coming to work and you being late was just an added thing. You just assume they're being a jerk to you because they don't like you when it had nothing to do with you. Absolutely nothing to do with you. It had to do with what's going on with them. So why did you take it wrong? Why did you let it offend you so badly? Why not look at it as like, oh, okay, well, I wasn't doing anything wrong. They're barking at me, so something must be going on with them. But instead, we take it personal. Yeah. It's hard for us to change that perspective and oh, try yeah. to look at it or run through the, uh, you know, I look at any issue as something you can turn over and over again mm-hmm. in your hand and try yeah. to see it from multiple perspectives. Yeah. And it just seems to be a hard thing for us yeah. to do. Um, we think everything's a coin and just has two, two sides, sides when really it's a circle. <laughs> There's no real corners anywhere. There's always, it's always evolving. That's right. It's always changing. And there, and there are so many variables that affect that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the coin analogy is a good one. I mean, if the, that's going to look different above the table than below the table, right. the light's going to hit it different. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different perspectives there, but it's certainly easy to maintain one perspective. Oh yeah. It's certainly easier to... Um, and that's say, why <laughs> this is what I know. And this is familiar right. and, yeah. and do that. But it, it's almost like we should intentionally look for ways to change our perspective. Exactly. Exactly. That's why it's got to be 24 <laughs> seven, because if you do it on Sundays, you can forget a lot throughout the week. Your emotions and everything are changed throughout the week. But when you try to make it a daily thing and trying to better yourself daily. And like I said, there's lots of things I could do better. Uh, we we all can sure. I mean, even the best of the best, there's things they could do better because it's not it's it's not a it's a process, right? This right. is a lifelong. Any right. kind of improvement on oneself is a lifelong process, right. right? It's not something like I've got it figured out, right? 
I'm doing everything right. Now I'm going to go tell other people how wrong they are. Exactly. It's, it, and that's the problem. Too many people assume because they've learned something one particular way, okay, old math, then new math comes in <laughs> and you're like, wait a second, there's another element to this that can change this. Okay. When people assume that they've figured something out, I always, uh, <laughs> this is another Frankieism, Shaneism, whatever you call it. When someone tells me they've got it all figured out, that's telling me they're the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> because if you really think you've got it all figured out, you're more ignorant than I thought. Because even things that have a finite beginning and end, there's never just one way to do it. And there's always a better way to get from one point to the other point. There's always another option. So if you're saying that this option is the only option and that you're convinced and you know that there's no other options out there, Man, you are about the dumbest person in the, in the and I don't mean that like, you know, derogatorily, but I mean it is. I mean, yeah. you know, how can you think you've got life figured out? The, you know? When I was in college, the probably <laughs> one of the biggest takeaways for me was the that the more and this is a phrase that's pretty common, but the more I learned, I'm going through going four additional years of school right. trying to learn all these things, and the more I learned, the the more I learned i didn't know right oh yeah I, I just you know i learned something and then i'd realize that i knew uh a, a, an inch i knew an inch deep worth of knowledge in this topic right. when there was an endless yeah depth of knowledge to mm -hmm. be gained in it and i was never going to have time in my life to know all these things right, right. Um, at some point i have to rely on other people who do have the time to gather that depth of knowledge yeah. and even they don't know because right. conditions change <laughs> knowledge change right. understanding of things change uh, so it just, yeah, it, it just continually just morphs. Continue, yeah, as yeah. it should, because yeah. that's that's how progress is made. Right? That's the core of it. Yeah, and that that's what blows me blows my mind when you see people on television. I'm not going to change this into a political thing, but people say, "Well, you said you knew this, and now you're saying different." Okay, not naming names or scenarios, but they'll say, "Well, you said this was the way it's got to be, and now you're saying changing your your mind, or you're saying differently." I have more information than I had that first time. So I have to change according to the information. You wouldn't want me to keep it the same if I now know something that the old way I told you is going to make you end up dead or change something. You would want me to change it, correct? Yeah. That's the way it works. And I've heard people say, well, that's not science. That's the root of science is to research and to learn and to make new hypotheses, to learn as you go. It's not finite, like here it is. That's the only way. No, it's always learning because again, we don't know it all. There's so many variables. Um, so it, it just it blows my mind that that whole thing that I'm I know I'm not don't have it all figured out. I know I've got a long way to go. I know I've come a long way and I can I can bank on that because yeah, I've I've learned from experience, but that doesn't mean that everyone else learns the same experience. It doesn't mean everyone else came down the same road I did. So even in what I know, it can't always be the answer either because people come from different places. You know, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, life is crazy, man. It is. It's crazy. There's a lot of ups and downs and, and how you perceive it and how you walk through it. It's, uh, everyone has to make their own decision again. Um, but I'm always open. Someone says, well, how'd you figure out, how'd you navigate this? How long do you got? <laughs> you know, we can, we can make this as short or as long as you want, you know, um, but that, you know, that's something that is, and it's opened opportunities for me, you know, being the, the guy that I am is the reason they trust me with the scene yeah. because they wanted bands on there that didn't have 
cussing. didn't have this and that. They wanted it to be family friendly. They trusted me because again, they knew how I was and they're like, I'd never worked for them before. <laughs> all, all they'd known me from was from the music store and then from what people told them. And they're like, we know that you're the type of person that you'll be able to run this show and keep it family friendly. Yeah. Okay. They trusted me without having ever worked for me before. Why? Because I had that reputation of people knowing that something was a little different, be that good or bad, be that off or on. I was different. Okay. For the right reasons, apparently. Um, but it's open doors like that for me. Um, I've been able to, you know, I was able to go and record a single in Nashville because I hooked up. There's a, a artist here in town that had done it years ago when it first started, had mentioned it to me before and I kind of, eh, whatever, you know, and then when pandemic, just before pandemic hit and my band had, at that point, none of my bands were functional. We we're on hiatus. Um, I started just doing some sing song, you know, songwriting and stuff like that. And, uh, decided to apply for it. I got it, went out there, recorded. Well, since then, because again, even though people saw a lot of other artists there, some of them Christian, some of them not, um, I've been able to segue that into now I've, I've starred in music videos for other bands as the lead actor. Um, one of the guys that directs that is getting ready to do a short film and I'm slated to be the lead actor in that. Um, it has gotten me into other shows in other states, like in on the 15th, I'll be going to uh, Indiana and Illinois. I'll be doing a, two shows, two different nights there. Um, it's segwaying into all these things, but all of those things aren't me. I, I, you know, because I mean, there's talented people, like we said, are a dime a dozen. There's, there's better singers than me. There's better songwriters than me. There's a lot better players or son being one of them than me. So why am I getting these opportunities? Well, I think it's because of the foundation I laid down through my character and through the connections I've made and not um, not betraying those connections, yeah. not betraying those people. And so, again, I feel like it all boils down to what I try and do every day, 24-7. And like I said, there's things in my marriage that could be better. I've got a great marriage, but I mean, it can always be better. You know, there's things with my kids I wish were better. But, you know, again, I also have to look at my kids as, this is a strange thing to say, but I look at my kids not as my kids. I have to look at them as God's kids, per se. Because when I look at them as my kids, then I take on a responsibility that even as a parent, I shouldn't be taking on. And then I try to mandate or force things on them that aren't healthy yeah. for our relationship. So I have to look at my daughter as I would anyone else's daughter. But I want to, there's still that favoritism because she's from my loins, so to speak. But I have to look at her and my son as like, I shouldn't favor them over anyone else's son or daughter. As much as I love them and I want to get them in the right place and, and things, I should, if I really want to do what's best for them, I need to view them like I would anyone else's. You know, teach them because they're under my particular stewardship or my care. Teach them what I know. Try to instill that in them. But at the end of the day, I, I shouldn't give them any favoritism of anyone else's. Because when, it, when I'm doing it because they're my kid, not what's best for them, but because they're my kid, it's not about them anymore. Now it becomes a selfish thing. It's your, your expectations. Yeah, it's my property. Yeah. It's my, this is mine. So people have to see it as mine. You're giving me a bad name because you're not living up the standard I set. You're my kid. You've got to follow. You've got to walk a straight line. But when I look at it as, hey, you, you're, you're a person all in yourself. You're responsible for your decisions. I'll be there to pick up the pieces if you drop the ball. I'm fine with that. But at the end of the, end of the day, 
I'm going to give you as much love as I feel like you deserve, but I'm going to do the same thing for this kid over here because they're no less because they're not blood. Yeah. They're still a human. They're still someone that I, that deserves that valuability. So, um, so yeah, I think that everything that I've done, been able to do has all boiled down to kind of the whole karma. If you want to call it karma, if you want to call it reap what you sow, if you want to call it whatever. I think it's that I, I try to sow good things in people around me and in my own life and in those around me at any, whether it's you, whether it's my wife, doesn't matter. Again, the relationship doesn't matter. If I'm in contact with people, I have a responsibility to try and leave something with them. You know, whether it's a smile, whether it's a, hey, good job, whether it's a sit down conversation where I try to help them through an issue, it all has value and all adds value to them as well as adds value to my life to see that I'm helping people, you know, that there's something more that as people, you hear people say that I know whether it's a God or not, there's something out there bigger than me. That's why I look at the world. Isn't me. It's not Shane and the rest of the world. It's yeah, I'm a part of a bigger plan. And I think that's one of the things in my faith that really helps me is I know a lot of Christians that they look at God as how he fits into their life and their plans. And I try to look at how I fit into what plan he could have for me as opposed to trying to make him fit into my schedule and my things. It's like, Lord, what, what today do I need to do in my life that is going to help further what your plan is for my life? Not what my plan is, but what your plan is for my Is it talking on the podcast today? Is it mowing someone's lawn that needs mowed because they can't get out in the heat? Is it sitting at the office and making phone calls? What is it? You know, And that's a big thing too, because I think too many people look at it as like God's a little seasoning in their life. Like, let's just add a little bit of this and see how things go. And I think that's part of the problem is that people live how they want to live, but they claim to have God in there. And to me, in a lot of ways, it's kind of a letdown to God. <laughs> it's like, I've seen the way you live and there's nothing about your life that would make me think that you ever even cracked the Bible open. The only thing I've ever seen you crack open is a cold one. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, come on, there's nothing about your life that, that speaks Christianity. Yet you want to claim it? Uh, to me, that's kind of it's kind of a diss to God <laughs> or to that reli- to that sure. belief. And so, um, you know, I, I think that uh, again, to recap, I know I've rambled a little bit, but to recap is, is with me, it's my faith is very important to me. It's first and foremost. Um, when I'm focused on something at the gym or whatever, yeah, I'm focused on the gym. But honestly, my faith is what keeps me focused on the gym because I'm like, I want to be the best I can be when I'm in here. And if someone needs help, I want to be the first one to offer help. If someone needs a spot, I'll be the first one. If someone needs walks in here, can barely get through the door because they 500 pounds, they're embarrassed to death to get in here and they catch my eye. I'm not going to show them laughter or disappointment. I'm going to show encouragement, my smile. I'm going to smile at them. Hey, good job. You know, that's what I want to do. And so with me, it, it really guides everything I do. And I'm, my, I'm the way I am not because I happen to be a Christian or in spite of my Christianity. I'm the way I am because I'm a Christian. And I think a lot of people, it's the other way around, you know, they just, you know, they're, they do a lot of things in spite of being a Christian, they can do this or that. But me, it's like, no, I feel like the reason I'm the way I am is because I'm a Christian and that's the way I want to wear it. You know, it's not, to me, it's not a badge. It's more like a tattoo. It ain't coming off. (laughs) Once it's on there, it's It's there, there. you know? (laughs) Well, you, you certainly, from my view, certainly wear it well. Um, I, I know. 
over the years, uh, I've been inspired by you and I've been, um, I've had great conversations with you right. and, uh, I've always been thankful that, that our circles have always come together. Yeah. Uh, our paths have always crossed. Man. Always <laughs> cross, so. And thanks for coming on today. I yeah, really you're welcome, man. Having Sorry you if here. it went long. No, it's good. We can edit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> edit down the drinking and something. <laughs> water, 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 water. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much too, man. And, uh, you know, I'm wishing all the best for this thing. You know, uh, like I said, I've, I've watched you in the community and once I found out you were more involved in the community, I was like, we finally got a good, <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, not saying anything bad about the other ones, but I, I felt like someone who really had the right heart in place. And I, again, we go back to that. Um, I feel like a lot of people have a lot of great legislation they want to put in place and stuff, but their heart, I feel like wasn't really with the community. I felt like some of them, it was just a play to move up and on from this community somewhere else. And I've always felt like in talking with you, especially when we talk about issues like this, community issues, social issues, there's a, there's a fire that I see in your eyes that I don't see in these other guys when they campaign on Main Street and stuff. I see just the Pepsodent smile and the shake your hands and kiss the baby, but I'm like, they ain't going to be around long. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're, this is a stepping stone to them. And I feel like you've been ingrained in the community. You've had your son involved in the community, other, other you know, children in the industry or not in the industry in your family stuff that are involved in things that I think that, um, with you, it's, you really see the potential that this city could have or does have, um, if we're able to break through some of these barriers and maybe get through some of the stuff that's just, we do it just cause it's the same way it's always been. That's not a good reason to keep doing something. You know, just because it's always been done that way doesn't mean, again, like we talked, doesn't mean there's not a better, more effective way to do it. And so I, uh, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate, you know, what you stand for, what you do. And, and I'm a big supporter. As you know, my family's a big supporter. <laughs> so uh, thanks a lot. I, I really appreciate the time. appreciate you guys having me on. I'd like to thank a few of the people who've helped make that podcast and Hutch possible. My son Mitchell Probst wrote and recorded the music for the show. Jenny Brigette put together some great graphics and promotional art. And Chris Acker helps overcome my mistakes to produce a great sounding product every episode. That podcast in Hutch is made possible through a collaboration between the Hutchison Arts and Culture Collective and Salt City Sound. They're working to bring resources and infrastructure to support art, music, and storytelling in our community. If you have an idea for your own podcast, reach out to them at podcasts at saltcitysound.net. If you enjoy that podcast and Hutch, be sure to subscribe and share it with all your friends. You can also help support this production by subscribing to thatguyandhutch.substack.com or by emailing me at thatguyandhutch at gmail.com to learn about sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Salt City Sound Production.